The reason Paul focuses on homosexuality, I think, in these verses is because it is the most vivid dramatization in life of the profoundest connection between the disordering of heart worship and the disordering of sexual relations. So what is the relationship between worship and sexual disorder? That's the question John Piper answers from Romans 1, 24 to 28 in this episode of Light and Truth. This sermon was originally preached at Bethlehem Baptist Church on October 11, 1998. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, what is that parallel? That parallels verse 23, they exchange the glory of God for images. Here, they exchange the truth about God for a lie. What's the truth of God that they exchange? The truth of God that they exchange is, God is more to be preferred than creatures. God is more valuable than creatures. Any creatures, human creatures or any other creatures, God is more valuable. And that truth was exchanged for a lie. What's the lie? The lie is... My way is better than God's way. That's the lie. My preferences are superior to God's preferences for me. Idols are better than the maker. So that corresponds to verse 23, and that's step one. Here's step two in this second sequence. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. What does that correspond to? Verse 24. God gave them over to the lusts of their heart in impurity, to impurity. Now, step three, verses 26 and 27, is the unpacking of homosexuality. Their women exchanged the natural function for the unnatural. And in the same way, also men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts. Now, what does that correspond to in the sequence? It corresponds to verse 24 at the end. So that their bodies might be dishonored among them. The dishonoring of the body that Paul has in mind in verse 24 is homosexual behavior per se. So we can say more specifically now what he had in mind. In the first sequence of thought, he had in mind this. The sexual disordering of the human race, in particular homosexuality in this text, but not only homosexuality, is a judgment for the exchanging of the truth of God for a lie. This is why he handed them over, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, now defined as homosexuality. Homosexuality is the judgment of God for the exchanging of God for a lie. Now, here's the third sequence of the same three thoughts, starting and finishing in verse 28. Verse 28, they did not see fit 
to acknowledge God any longer. That's step one. What does that correspond to? It corresponds to 23. They exchange the glory of God for images. It corresponds to 25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And here it simply says they don't want God in their knowledge anymore. So you have the same thing three times, 23, 25, 28. Now here's step two. Second part of verse 28. God gave them over to a depraved mind. That corresponds to verse 24. God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. It corresponds to verse 26. God gave them over to degrading passions. So God's response to the universal exchange of God for images and truth for lies and the not wanting to have God in our knowledge and his way in our minds, the response to that is God decrees homosexuality. Step three says it at the end of verse 28. He gave them over to do things which are not proper, which corresponds to verse 24 at the end, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, and corresponds to 26 and 27, women and men pursuing homosexual relations. So homosexual behavior is parallel with dishonoring the body and doing what is not proper. Now there's the text. That's the structure of the text. Three sequences of three. Exchanging God, being handed over to impurity, and dramatizing in your sexual disordering what you did spiritually. That's the text. Four observations. Number one. The deepest problem in our lives, heterosexual and homosexual, is the terrible exchange of the glory of God for images. Like ourselves or anything. The deepest problem in this text and in the universe of mankind is not homosexuality. It's not adultery. It's not pornography. It is that awesome, deeply rooted, universal, no exceptions, exchange that every human being comes into the world making, namely God, for something else. That's the problem in the world. It's beneath all the maladies of the world And repairing that problem is my main business in life. And I think your main business in life. Not first, the fixing of disordered sexuality. That's the first observation and the most important one. Here's the second one. The sexual disordering of our lives and most vividly, Homosexuality, though not only homosexuality, is a judgment of God upon the human race because we have exchanged the glory of God for other things. 
Sometimes people ask, is AIDS a judgment of God upon homosexuality? Now, you have an answer, and it will be an unexpected answer from this text. The answer is, homosexuality is a judgment of God upon the human race. So is AIDS. So is cancer. So is arthritis. So is every futility in your life, and so is death. Do you remember verse 18? The wrath of God is being poured out, and I unpacked it from chapter 5 on death, chapter 8 on futility and disease. Even we who have the fruits of the Holy Spirit, first fruits of the Holy Spirit, groan inwardly waiting our adoption, the redemption of these bodies. If homosexuality is a judgment, if AIDS is a judgment, If cancer is a judgment, if arthritis and Alzheimer's are judgments, if death is a judgment, if you're stubbing your toe on the way out of here and experiencing futility is a judgment of God on a fallen world where the whole creation has exchanged God for other things, what shall we say then about the children of God against whom there is no wrath or condemnation anymore? And the answer is... We are not lifted out of this world of woe when we get saved. But rather, in this world of woe, with all of the same diseases and all of the same futilities, well, maybe not all, but most of the same futilities, we are now encapsulated in a work of grace that enables us to experience handle this, the very judgments of God upon the human race as pathways to holiness and heaven rather than sin and hell. Even leukemia. Even leukemia, Michael, is a pathway to holiness and heaven because of the grace of God. But it wouldn't exist if this weren't a fallen creation. Neither would homosexuality, neither would my bent towards impatience or whatever, neither would any other malady or futility or misery or frustration. None of it would exist if there weren't sin in the world. All of the rottenness and evil came into the world because God subjected the world to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of him who subjected it in hope. And it's the hope that I'm going to hold out over and over again in these messages. But there is no point in ignoring the meaning of God handed us over to degrading passions so that our bodies might be dishonored. That's the decree of Almighty God as plain as He could write it. Now once you've felt that and you've grasped it, then all the gospel words, all the hope-giving words, don't land on some kind of sentimental, poor, genetic situation that we're not responsible for. They land on reality. And we can be honest with ourselves that all of us are under the judgment of God. I'm going to die. 
I'm a saint. God loves me. And he's going to take my life. 52 or 82 makes no difference. He's going to take my life. The Lord gave. The Lord's going to take it away. Because I have sinned. And Adam sinned. And in Adam I sinned. And I'm not going to escape it. But you know what's happened? It has become a pathway to heaven. And therefore is no longer a condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so can every malady in your life, including a homosexual orientation. Which we'll talk more about next week. But let me draw quickly to a close here. Those were my first two concluding observations. The third is this. The reason Paul focuses on homosexuality, I think, in these verses is because it is the most vivid dramatization in life of the profoundest connection between the disordering of heart worship and the disordering of sexual relations. Now, this is heavy. And give me a minute on this, and I'll try to say it as simply as I can, but it is the most profound and awesome thing in this text. Manhood and womanhood exist from the beginning of creation for a grand and glorious purpose, namely to represent or to dramatize The relation between God and His people. Or later, we learn, Christ and His church. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. This is a great mystery, Paul said, and I take it to mean Christ and the church when he referred to Genesis 2, 24, about a man leaving father and mother and cleaving to his wife. The meaning of sexuality. No, we trifle in this country. Oh, there's going to be a debt to be paid in Hollywood and other places for the trifling of this awesome, glorious, huge reality of sexuality that is so great and so wonderful and so full of meaning at the highest levels of the universe. And we trifle with it in our pornography, in our movies, in our television, in our magazines, in our advertising. Oh, there's going to be a debt to be paid the way we take this awesome reality, which is given by God at the very outset of creation as a dramatization of how he loves his people and Christ loves his church. Now, in view of that, What happens when the relationship between God and man is disordered with an exchange of God for images of ourselves? What happens to the drama? If the reality is disordered and man no longer relates to God as his his treasure, but looks for satisfaction to the creature that he can manage and that is more like himself. What happens to the drama of that? 
And the answer is, it becomes similarly disordered. And the most vivid dramatization of the disorder of man's exchanging God for something like himself is a man exchanging a woman for one like himself or a woman exchanging a man for one like herself. Homosexuality is decreed as a judgment by God in order that there might be dramatized in the world what happened when... You and I, whatever our sexual orientation, exchange the glory of God for something like us. That's the meaning of homosexuality. And it is awesomely profound and to be dealt with, not with trifling and not with hate crimes, but with evangelism, which leads me to my very brief last point. The healing of the homosexual soul, just as with every other soul, is the restoration of the glory of God to its proper place. That's where the healing is. The healing of the heterosexual soul and the homosexual soul And each has their peculiar sinnings. The healing of those souls comes through the restoration of the glory of God to its rightful place as the all-satisfying treasure of the human heart. And when that happens, either, we'll, we'll pick it up here next week, Either there will be victory, awesome victory over a homosexual orientation. That's happening in the world today. Or a triumphant capacity to lead a fulfilled, joyful, obedient, celibate life with the orientation Till Jesus finally makes John Piper and you right at the last day. Let's pray. Oh God, we've just begun. We've just got the lay of the land out there in front of us. There's so much more to say. Would you sustain us? Would you give everybody now the capacity to process these things? These are big. These are weighty matters. To be a male or a female is an awesome thing. Oh, that we might not trifle with our sexuality, oh God. Serial fornications. Serial homosexual partners. Serial adulteries going to R-rated movies that have sex scenes that no 12-year-old should ever lay their eyes on, not to mention 32-year-olds. Oh, God, we trifle with this massive reality. Forgive us. Forgive us. I am so thankful, Lord, that there is a righteousness that is not my own, with which I am clothed this morning. By faith in Jesus, as is everyone in this room right now, 
homosexual or heterosexual, clothed with the righteousness of Christ through faith. Lord, grant that faith, I pray. Would you stand for a benediction? Well, may the Lord restore His value and His glory and His beauty to its rightful place in your heart and in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. And all the people said, Amen. This is Light and Truth, God-centered preaching to help you see Christ clearly and treasure Him truly. I'm your host, Dan Kruver. Thank you for listening. On our next episode, John Piper continues our series on our gospel need with a sermon titled, Glory Restores Sexual Order. I hope you'll join us. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.